Well, let's continue here this morning. We're looking at Breast Cancer Month and uh, in <laughs> joining us for this part of the conversation. Apologies, I almost lost my trail of thought there. Joining us for this conversation, uh, Professor Jackie Smilg, who is the chair of the Breast Imaging Society of South Africa. Professor Smilg, good morning to you. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Hi, good morning to you and the listeners. Thank you for the invitation. So it's the time, the appropriate time to be having a conversation around breast cancer, given the awareness generally that is taking place in a month like this. Of course, it shouldn't be where it begins and ends. But there is so much that we as the public need to know, need to be educating ourselves continuously about breast cancer. I think that's where I would want us to start this conversation. Yes, sure, absolutely. October is traditionally the pink month across the world where we um, really try and step up the breast awareness. But as you said, it shouldn't only be for the month of October and we try and keep that awareness going throughout the year. Breast cancer is a significant disease across the world and affecting um, a lot of people. Um, in South Africa as well. Breast cancer is the most common cancer in women in South Africa and it accounted for more than 25% of the new cancer cases in South African women in 2020. So it's certainly um, a very serious disease but there's a lot of positives associated with it in terms of early diagnosis and improvements in treatment. So Pink Month is traditionally the one where we really try and heighten the awareness um, but people should be hopefully self-aware of their breasts throughout the year. What is the prevalence rate of breast cancer, you would say? Um, This is generally across both men and women. So absolutely. Men and women can both get breast cancer. It's it's obviously more common in women and in South African women. They have a lifetime risk quota that is about 1 in 25. Um, Some people may have a, a higher risk than that. And to ascertain your risk, you would then consult with your healthcare practitioner to see if you have any specific um, features in your personal history that may put you at increased risk. Um, Breast cancer in men is a lot less frequent, but still um, significant because it's often more aggressive in the male patient. When we look at just the prevailing symptoms that often, uh, you know, raise the red flags, uh, cause reason for concern, what are those? So we, we are promoting Be Breast Aware and it's those symptoms that we're hoping to get out there um, this month particularly. The symptoms for both men and women are the same. Any lumps in the breast or lumps under the arm area would be of interest to us. Remembering that not all breast lumps are going to be cancer and in fact probably 8 out of 10 breast lumps are not going to be cancer. So just finding a lump doesn't necessarily mean it's an ominous diagnosis. Changes in the skin, discoloration, um, distortion, puckering of the skin is something else we need to look out for. Changes in the nipple area, rashes, um, flaking skin in the nipple area or inversion of the nipple, pulling in of the nipple, particularly if it's something new, maybe also associated with nipple discharges. So those are all the things that people must look at. We encourage women from their late teens to start doing monthly breast self-examination so that they become aware of what is normal for themselves and therefore can hopefully pick up changes early and present to a healthcare facility for a checkup. Again, as I said, not all are going to be breast cancer. So please, we encourage everybody to check up if they do find changes in the breast. 
I want to talk about the self-examination because it's such an important aspect and often, um, you know, self-examination, when we look at some of the stories around how breast cancer has been discovered, uh, you know, some women will say, well, uh, you know, my partner actually raised the the concern, was the first one to pick up that uh, there was something not happening or n- not that there was something perhaps amiss, something different with my breast or a health practitioner was uh, the first person to pick it up. But really, Really, we can put ourselves in charge of, of that process. Absolutely. Be self-aware and, and breast examination is certainly the first step in that. That's an examination just to go through a couple of basic principles that we encourage people to do with the three fingers of your hand, not involving the thumb. If you use your thumb to oppose against your index finger, much of the normal breast tissue will often feel like a lump. So we ask people not to use their thumb when they feel they use the next three fingers. We ask them to do it in both the upright and the lying down position. Often being in a bath or in a shower helps because you can have nice soapy water um, to help you feel around the relevant areas, which include the entire breast area and also under each armpit. But having said that, we can only feel things when they're of a certain size. And certainly we also hope to get things before they are maybe able to be felt. And that's where screening comes into the play in early diagnosis. And that's where I'm involved as a radiologist in the imaging of the breast. Screening of the breast involves taking an x-ray of the breast, a mammogram, where we then can find changes in the breast often long before they are actually able to be felt. So certainly breast self-examination is an important aspect, but from the age of 40 until at least the age of 70, we recommend that all ladies should try and avail themselves of a mammogram examination as well so that we are then looking for changes and features in the breast that may indicate early problems before we may actually feel them. How often should women then above the ages of 40 be going for a mammogram? Certainly the BISA recommendations, BISA is the Breast Imaging Society of Southern Africa, which is a subspecialty group of the Radiological Society. Um, They recommend that from the age of 40 until at least 70, um, all women should present annually once a year for a mammogram. I say at least 70 because I think 70 is now the new 50, and certainly we will then personalize screening recommendations on either side of the 40-70 age group. There is, of course, the big issue of genetics and the extent to which breast cancer is hereditary. So there are many risk factors for breast cancer. And in fact, I don't think we necessarily know all of the causative um, reasons for breast cancer. Genetics is um, one that makes a lot of press, the Angelina Jolie type media, where um, she brought great attention to the genetic influence. So genetics certainly plays a role. And if um, somebody finds themselves in a family where a lot of their close family members have had breast cancer, they may well be a genetic link. But having said that, about 60% of breast cancers are going to occur in women who have no family history of breast cancer. So yes, genetics do play a role, but it's not the only um, risk factor or potential um, cause of breast cancer. Mm. And and I was just thinking, Professor Smog, from the time that um, one is able to pick up a, a lump either you know in the breast and the underarm at which stage of the cancer is that and what are the interventions then that can be brought on board at that particular stage? 
So breast cancer is actually a very personalized disease. We use a broad term of breast cancer, which encompasses different types of breast um, involvement and in each individual that breast cancer can present differently so it's almost impossible to generalize and say you know if you feel a lump in your breast it's at this stage or if you feel a lump in your armpit it's at this stage Um, we would have to do further tests which would involve imaging um, of the breast along with the biopsy to be able to adequately stage that breast cancer in each individual The idea of screening mammograms is to pick it up very early so that hopefully it hasn't spread beyond the breast. What are the treatment options then that that are available and that uh, women need to keep in mind? So there's a... um, there are several treatment methods that are used. It is a multidisciplinary team that will become involved in the treatment of breast cancer. We involve our colleagues, the surgeons who may operate on the breast cancer. There are then the medical oncologists who work with the chemotherapy drugs. And then there are the radiation therapists who have the radiation machines that may be used So each patient will get a personalized treatment regime that may include one or all of those modalities. Mm. And when it comes to what you have seen in your line of work and and, and practice, what are some of the misconceptions that, um, you know, are often created around breast cancer and the things that are myths around this, this particular disease? So certainly the one that I think is very relevant at the moment is the age of presentation. You know, we're talking about over 40s in terms of screening. And so often, unfortunately, we get people referred into us in their 20s and 30s who have presented elsewhere with a breast lump only to be told, oh, don't worry, you know, you're young, it can't be cancer. And that's not true. Yes, certainly cancer does increase with increasing age, but we do see cancer presenting in the young age groups. And just to blanketly fob off somebody because of an age is not correct. Again, also pregnancy. There are many, many lumps. In fact, in all people, as I said, about eight out of 10 breast lumps are going to be normal. And not uncommonly, we'll get a young person who's pregnant who tells us that the lump actually appeared during the pregnancy, but they were told not to worry because, you know, lumps in pregnancy are normal. So actually, we need to investigate all lumps, all new things, all changes in the breast deserve investigation. And hopefully the outcome is not a cancer. And, and I can imagine, of course, uh, from from some of those practitioners' side who said, well, you're, you're too young. The, the point is not to get people to uh, panic too much, but on the other hand, it's not to get people to be too relaxed. So if I, as a, as an individual, feel that um, there might be an issue, but I've been told not to worry about it, I'm too young, what should I do? Okay, so absolutely, it is always the patient's prerogative to go and get a second opinion. Um, as I say, over the age of 40, ladies are hopefully accessing screening mammograms. Out, um, under that age, if they do present and they are not happy or they just feel they would like a second opinion, they're always able to do that. And what do people do? There are two pathways for medical um, opinion in South Africa. There's a private pathway with people who have medical aids and then there's through the government hospitals. Both those routes have access to um, individuals that can come for breast screening and examination by healthcare professionals. So people should not be ostriches and put their heads in the sand and hope that things that they are potentially worried about are just going to disappear. 
because the stress of sitting with the unknown is often worse than the stress of a diagnosis. And as I say, often, we, many times we can reassure the individual that there's actually nothing serious wrong. I want to talk about some of these risk factors and the conversation we're having as it relates to men. Is the experience exactly the same as it would be for women? So the risk factors also apply to to male breast cancer. Obviously, we don't do routine screening of males as we do in females from the age of 40. Males we rely on presenting to us with a potential problem or a new finding in the breast. But the risk factors, we've talked about the genetics, which is one of the contributing factors. There are also other things. The hormonal environment plays a role because many of the breast cancers will grow under the influence of hormones. So having had an early menarche, that's the age that you start your period in your teens, and a late menopause may increase your risk slightly because there's been prolonged hormonal exposure. Pregnancies and breastfeeding tend to offer some protection against breast cancer and slightly decrease the risk. The use of things like hormone replacement therapy around around menopause and after menopause has been shown for over five years of contiguous use to certainly have an increased risk of breast cancer associated with them. And then there are lifestyle factors that contribute to increasing your risk for not only breast cancer potentially, but for other cancers. And that is things like obesity. People carrying excess weight certainly are at increased risk for many of the cancers. Excessive use of alcohol, smoking and lack of exercise all negatively impact on your risk for breast cancer. And then there are other things that can be related to increased risk, but they are more specific, like previous radiation exposure to the breast and the chest wall, but those will be in very specific individuals who may have been treated for other disease processes. And then lastly, there's increased risk depending on actually what type of breast tissue you have. When we look at a mammogram, we look at what we call the density of the tissue, how much of the breast tissue each individual has, and those proportions vary in each individual person. But having a lot of dense tissue has actually been shown recently to be an independent risk factor for breast cancer. So now it's been recommended that should people have those types of tissue, that they may actually need adjunct imaging, extra imaging on top of just a mammogram to help exclude a cancer. Uh, what do you find are often the challenges that 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 are faced when it comes to um, people being able to go through the process of having a cancer diagnosis, and of course, then some of the challenges around treatment. So, a cancer diagnosis is a journey, and it involves not only the individual, but it also involves their family, their colleagues, their associates. So, it's involving a lot of people in that process, not only from the patient side, but also in the diagnosis and treatment side. As I mentioned, there's a multidisciplinary team that will be involved there. The challenges are it's not a quick fix. It's not a quick process. Many of these treatments require repeated returning in terms of radiation. They may have to come every day for um, several weeks to access radiation. And Not being well or accessing treatment often requires patients to be off work. So there are economic and social challenges that can have a huge impact on a cancer diagnosis. Can the patient get to the facilities regularly? Do they have the finances to do that? Are they able to take time off work? And that can impact, as I say, on many, not only the patient. 
and I guess you know it is often here we would we would see that great disparity between the public and the private sector but we know that at some point it also becomes difficult even for private sector patients to be able to keep up with the treatments Oh, no, absolutely. I think the disparity between public and private is potentially that the financial implication, if you have a medical aid, may not be as personally noticeable to the patient. But certainly all the other things about accessing the treatment regularly as required or going through the side effects will all be the same for both sides. We're in conversation with Professor Jackie Smolg, uh, who is the chair of the Breast Imaging Society of South Africa. We're talking about Breast Cancer Month and really emphasizing the importance that um, we we all have to have when it comes to self-examinations. Uh, she's explained exactly how to go about examining, self-examining uh, your breast. She says the three fingers, don't use the thumb, but use the three fingers and feel you know, in different positions, standing or lying down, uh, you know, for any lumps or any changes uh, that might be there in, in your breast. And I love what she said when she said, any change, any new thing that is taking place is something that must be investigated. Don't disregard it. Uh, don't just ignore the fact that there is this change. Uh, of course, also be taking some of your WhatsApp voice notes and questions for Dr. Smilk. Uh, the number that you can use to get in touch with us this morning Zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. That's zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. On the WhatsApp line, we'll take those voice notes and messages on zero six one four one zero four one zero seven. If you have particular questions around the diagnosis of breast cancer, including even some of the treatment issues, uh, she'll be taking your questions. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide, leading the conversation. We continue the conversation focusing on Breast Cancer Month for our health feature. Professor Jackie Smilg is chair of the Breast Imaging Society of South Africa. Professor Smilg, let me take uh, one of the WhatsApp voice notes that's, that's come through for you on the subject. Good afternoon, SAFM, and to listeners. It's Sullivan Gumbler from Durban and to the honorable guest. Just like to find out from honourable guests, with regards to uh, breast cancer in men and females, does one's hormone levels, like the men testosterone levels and the females estrogen levels, if it's low or high, does it affect in uh, breast cancer in both genders? Thank you. Professor Smilk? Okay, yes, thank you. So hormonal factors certainly are one of the risk factors, and we do know that breast cancer, some of the breast cancers do go under the influence of estrogen and progesterone, which are the two main female hormones. So certainly in the female patient, if you have prolonged hormonal exposure with an early menarche, late menopause, that may increase your risk, as does the taking of hormone replacement therapy. In terms of males, there are certain conditions in the male patient that may lower the testosterone levels and relatively increase those estrogen levels. So again, that can influence certain of the tumors if they are hormone sensitive. So, so then, what what is it that that I think, in particular, men need to know about breast cancer and how it affects them? 
So in terms of males, they don't normally have the normal breast tissue that females have. There are times when the breast tissue may start developing in a male patient. We call it gynecomastia, the development of breast tissue in a male. And that is often associated with other disease processes, medication treatment sometimes. So if the breast starts enlarging in a male patient, we need them to also come to check that out because if they start developing breast tissue, they then can be at risk for breast cancer. It is often such an emotional journey that um, an individual has to walk from the point of diagnosis right through to to treatment. Let's talk about the the support aspects and 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 the kind of support that one really needs uh, during a time where they are potentially diagnosed uh, with breast cancer. So it's an extremely stressful anxious time even to come for your annual mammogram as a female because you're coming to hopefully here you don't have breast cancer but at the back of your mind there's always that potential of what if they do find something so we often find that is why ladies don't present for annual screening because they would rather try and pretend that if they don't look for it and they don't find it it's not actually going to be there and that's one of the things I'm very passionate about to try and say to people as stressful as these situations can be If you find something early, the chances of effective treatment, less aggressive treatment, and a lower death rate are much higher. So in terms of screening and checking out, yes, it's stressful. We often find people coming with family relatives or friends for emotional support, and we certainly would encourage that. If a patient does get a cancer diagnosis, they're obviously going to require a lot of support from their family, their friends, and their colleagues. But we have to remember that a cancer diagnosis can also have a huge impact on those family, friends, and colleagues, and they too may require emotional support in it. It is a multidisciplinary team that takes over the management and treatment of a cancer diagnosis, and that involves medical practitioners, it involves all the paramedical um, um the social workers and things that will have to step in to assist on both an emotional, physical, financial, and many other levels. When when it comes to then particularly the, this journey of treatment, many women, of course, go into it with the fear of losing their breasts. At which point, you know, is surgery the the answer, the only answer that remains on the table? So. Um, Several years back, it used to be, yes, very much a case of, you know, we took the breast off and that was it. Certainly treatment options have changed and increased tremendously in the last few years. And as I said, the treatment has become very personalized. We must address a particular cancer in a particular person, and it's not a one-size-fits-all treatment. Some people um, will be offered mastectomy, which is removal of the entire breast, if that is thought appropriate for them. But many times we now go with breast-conserving treatment, where the surgeons can take out a much smaller area of tissue to get an effective um, prognosis. You don't have to take off the breast. There are also a lot of reconstruction methods the plastic surgeons can offer using either natural tissue or prosthetic tissue to um, reconstruct the breast. So it's not easy to say this is what the treatment is for a specific thing because it will be very personalized to the individual. Once we have the answers from biopsies as to exactly what tumor an individual has and exactly where it is in the body, they will sit down with their team and be advised on what is suggested as the ideal treatment for them, which will 
potentially be a combination of surgery and sometimes more aggressive, sometimes less aggressive surgery, plus or minus radiation, plus or minus chemotherapy following up on that. I guess the the the, the message then really becomes that um, even fear itself should not be a deterrent to one needing and and having to investigate any problems that that may be arising health-wise? No, absolutely, because fear is not going to cure the cancer if it is there. Um, Finding it early is going to give you a lot of more positive options than just pretending it doesn't exist. Unfortunately, fear does often lead to people not believing the diagnosis, defaulting and going away, only to return months to years later with way more advanced disease when their treatment options are now a lot more limited. And, and I think I'll pick up on that. What what happens when somebody, you know, stops the treatment or, or stops uh, at some point of the chemotherapy or whatever other treatment has been prescribed? So certainly if you don't complete the recommended treatment, the chance of recurrence um, and spread of the disease is far, far higher than in a correctly treated scenario where the patient has had all of the recommended protocols. Again, it's difficult to say this is an absolute, that if you stop your chemo, this will happen. I don't think we're able to do that. But your chances of a less favorable prognosis are much, much higher if you don't complete the recommended treatment. All right, Professor Smoke, let's then wrap it up here. What do people need to know? So in as far as organizations, places they can go to uh, when they're wanting to have something like breast cancer investigated further? So certainly, as I said, there are two routes through the private sector and through the public sector. In the private sector, you would obviously start off with your general practitioner, your GP or your gynecologist, who would then refer you to appropriate imaging if needed and further investigation. In the government sector, If you start at either a local clinic or your local hospital, you would access a doctor there who would do a breast clinical exam and again would then refer you on for whatever you need. There are very good specialist breast imaging units in both the public and private sectors that would look at the diagnosis of the cancer and then the teams that would take over for the treatment also exist um, very good teams in both the private and, and public sectors. Professor Jackie Smolg, let me thank you so much for your time on the Talking Point today. She's the chair of the Breast Imaging Society of South Africa.